Welcome to Hot D, the officially unofficial podcast for House of the Dragon on HBO. Wait, wait, I can't say HBO anymore. I believe now I have to say legally, I have to say Max. What your where to go for HBO? What's their slogan that include definitely still includes HBO because <laughs> they knew that was too it's, important. It's not HBO. It's Max. I think that's the ah uh, yes your place to discuss all of Casey Bloys's Twitter antics. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of plotting and subterfuge, mm-hmm. It's got a whole. I don't know. Targaryen dynasty thing happening over there. The uh, incest subplot I did not see coming, honestly. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. We're going to have to disclaimer the beginning of this thing. No incest. Was, no, no brothers, no sisters, no mothers, no fathers were harmed in the making of this podcast. Aaron. Allegedly. Uh, we're back temporarily for a, spe- a very special episode of Hot D. Uh, we have gotten some key information on season two of house of the dragon that we wanted to come back and talk about um and it seemed like the perfect time to do it because anthony is on a little break with his uh maester's corner and his electric bukaloo so yeah king jim harris here locked the maester out of the red the the red keep and uh, we've taken yeah. over the place while, while he went to go visit the the citadel so why the maester's away uh us guys will play i suppose Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll be talking about the stuff we've learned about season two so far and maybe a little bit about the spinoffs. Uh, we want to do a quick spoiler warning up front, though. Yeah. Yeah. Just be really careful about spoilers. Um, it's been a while since I like surf for House of the Dragon information, and, and it's always been kind of fraught because if you hear you know, a name hinted and you're like, Ooh, that sounds like an interesting name. And you Google it. The thing about house of the dragon is all the answers are out there. This isn't game of Thrones. We're sure you could get spoiled somewhat, but no one knew how things were going to end really. And the more you watch the less fear of spoilers you have to have. I feel like if anything, Oh my gosh, the amount of spoilers I'm seeing out there between the fact that all of this is already out there in the form of fire and blood, uh, the fact that people have always for for years obsessed with the, the the gorilla filming of the actual filming of the show and the fact that they've got telephoto lenses and there's a lot of large outdoor locations and the fact that there's been like all of the episode titles have leaked and the number of episodes oh and even plot points mm-hmm. from episodes like I, I saw out there a pretty compelling bulleted list of like each episode and the four or five plot points that will probably happen in it and it looked from my to my eyes probably it's going to be 90 percent plus accurate so please wow. if you want to maintain the mystery uh and the intrigue uh of, of fire and blood uh or of, of house of dragon do not do not be very careful where you google and uh what what uh, places you hang out at because boy there's there's just a lot of information out there but we're I was not going to be talking about any too. of that Right. Yeah. I, no. So I started doing my research and I saw, oh, there's some uh, character announcements, new actors even cast. And I refused to Google any of the character names because I knew the first thing on the wiki for that character is just going to be a huge spoiler. Yeah. Going to be the thing they're most famous for, which is probably right. 
you know, living or dying in the the house or the dance of dragons. So, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. it's it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. You don't don't go looking up, uh, you know, any any Alice Rivers or any Adam Hulls or just just you know any 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 name you hear in conjunction. Just 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 wait. You'll you'll figure it out in time. Or fuck it, go spoil yourself. I'm not your dad. Uh, do what you want. I'm just saying, you're not going to get spoilers here. Um, we are going to talk about casting and stuff, but I, I swear it's going to be in a way that is is not spoiled. The worst type of spoiler you might hear in this podcast is along the lines of that that Senator Palpatine guy in Episode One of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. He's up to something, you know. Oh, like like if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you've seen all of Game of Thrones and all of House of Dragon, there will be nothing. Uh, and and there'll be nothing in that that'll spoil you here. So I was just about to watch that movie too. Damn, you know you had you had twenty plus years. <laughs> no sympathy. All right. Well, you want to talk generalities about what we know of season two? Things that aren't spoilers for sure. Things that are just to do with release date. Yeah, we they have said that it's early summer next year. Yeah. Because next year, twenty twenty four, and people like it might be like, "Damn, that went really quick." Even though it's been a long time, because we had so many strikes. You know, we had a labor 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 strike with the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild. But uh, the this, since it was filming overseas, did not involve those unions. You know, they got uh, surprised to some, but America does not actually control the entire world. Uh, and they were able to continue their filmmaking, so like they are poised to, uh, to 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 hit the ground running in 2024 with an early summer release. Now, what do you think early summer means? Um, is 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 April mm, early summer? Nah, that's really early. It's May, May at the earliest. I feel like May, and that's that's mm, still kind of yeah, like like mid to late May. You're not gonna have like I wouldn't think April 30th even you know may kind of say i don't I don't think that stuff would would work i don't know man we're living in a world where the christmas decorations are in the stores at the same time as halloween so early summer could be next week i don't know mm. but yeah <laughs> and i think may. the thing is is like it wouldn't shock me if they push this back because this is obviously very important to hbo uh to max i'm sorry and uh they they want to get it just right they spend a fortune on it uh i could see it being pushed back if they needed to finish some effects or whatnot mm-hmm. but i don't see i do not see it coming out any earlier than like end end of may because if it was they we've talked about late spring so it could be pushed back later um and if that is if, 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 it, if it does that to maintain the quality then i'm all for it um so I'm other surprise news. I'm keeping my eye on the quality of this season because the the scripts were all written by the time the writer's strike happened. And so yeah. they were able to continue filming, like you mentioned, um, over in Europe. But but they didn't have any writers on site, on set, looking at what they were doing with the capacity to rewrite. It, 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 Ryan Condal's over there. Is Not that in true? capacity as a writer. Yeah, they, they didn't have any writers over there. They weren't allowed to. So oh, I thought it was so still any, be another... Okay. Any rewrites that need to happen, yeah, I don't I don't think they'd be able to do that. So if the quality dips here, I would probably blame it on that. It's just Or Matt Miguel Sapochnik leaving, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the actors started calling all the shots. It's it's a it's a nightmare. He slipped in some some Doctor Who references. It's just going to really <laughs> this is pandemonium. 
Uh, that actually might make it even more awesome. Who knows? Dragons are way bigger uh, on the inside. <laughs> I would bet it feels that way. Uh-huh. Um, Just ask Luke. He knows. Uh, so what do we... Yeah, we're, so, so the other kind of uh, shocking thing is we found out in the off-season, uh, just... just uh, I think this was back in, like, May, that we are not going to get a 10-episode season, mm, as has been yeah. Game of Thrones and House of the Dragons huge. We're going to get eight episodes. Hmm. How'd you feel about that when you heard? Uh, so I... I've liked the 10 episode seasons. I think they've done really well. I'm not scared of an eight episode season. I mean, I want to, I I prefer 10, I guess, as long as they can make them all good. But if eight is what they need, give them eight. If six is what they need, give them six. Yeah, I actually feel pretty good about it because according to Condal, they made this decision not based on like a studio mandated budgetary. You're only getting X amount of money. And if you need more per episode, you got to have less episodes it was more, and, and we, we talked about this, I think, last season, that when you read Fire and Blood, it's got a rhythm where you've got a battle and then a reaction and then a buildup and a battle and a reaction. About, and hmm. you don't really want to, you don't want to end the season in like one of the lulls, the troughs of the plot where everything's kind of being moved. You kind of want to end yeah. in like either a bang or a cliff. You either want to end with the battle or like the buildup. You don't want to end in like the kind of the reaction. And it seems like that they, they get the pacing for because it's all at war now. You know, we're, oh, we're done yeah, with yeah. the uh, in large part, we're done with the kind of like the minor moves. It's going to be like big armies, big dragons, attacking fortifications, et cetera, et cetera. Going to be a lot of battles next year. And I think they, they got the eight episodes so it wouldn't feel like it's flabby, you know. Uh, it's going to be nice and, and and they'll be able to end in a bang or a massive cliffhanger and then start next de- season running too. So I, it sounds like it's just all good. Like you wouldn't want a 10 episode mm-hmm. season. Yeah. You know, like we talked about like the season two of Mr. Robot is the one I always think about where it's like that felt like they had about six episodes worth of plot and had a gun to their head to make 10 episodes or whatever. And yeah. it's my least favorite season of Mr. Robot and otherwise uh, awesome show. I would hate for that to happen to House of Dragons. You don't want fat. You don't want fat on dragon bones. No. They're slow. They can't fly. Mm-hmm. They they got sleep apnea. It interferes with their fire breathing. <laughs> it's it's not good. You want them. You want to be trim and svelte. Those dragons, for sure. All right. Um, uh, so that's kind of what we know about season two's release. Um, there's some talk about the scope of it. I know there was an interview with Brian Condell who said things are going to open up a lot more. Uh, we're going to be following characters that may not all be in the same places. So that's kind of exciting. It, that'll be more games, Game of Thronesy. Yeah, ninety percent of the show being shot in King's Landing gave it a little bit of a smaller feel than we're used to from Game of Thrones. But yeah, by all, everything I read, said that they are. We're going to get around. We're going to get to see the Vale. We're going to get to see the North. Uh, we're going to get to see the the Riverlands um, and the Reach. Like we're really going to go around to the tour of the Seven Kingdoms um, and uh, fight and fuss all over. So that's you know, and I, I I was one of the ones I thought last season felt very Game of Thrones, um, just like maybe a different scale. Yeah. So now it's like, yeah, if they if, if if it felt that thronesy last season, oh man. Um 
I do wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna go with the uh, the family tree credits because if they're gonna be bopping all over the map, <laughs> they, yeah, they that blood thing without, man. Without the map, I don't know, man. I mean, I would say change it up, but yeah, I don't know. They they clearly had a vision for it. I don't think it worked as well as they wanted it to, but we'll see. You're right. The Game yeah. of Thrones intro helped a lot when knowing where we were. Because you're still going to have to root people in place. And, and I know you got like, you know, if you show Winterfell and you're in the north and if you show the wall, you're really in the north. And if you show, you know, there's ways you can kind of like cheat some of that stuff mm-hmm. uh, with just establishing shots. But like knowing kind of the geography and where things are is a big part of understanding like the flows of battles, I think. And if they don't do it in the credit sequence like the original did, they're going to have to do it with like battlefield maps, like literally people pointing you know, this lion's going to move over to this wolf and then this kraken's going to, like, you, you got to do it one way or another. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I missed the days where I didn't fast forward through the Game of Thrones music. Sure. Kind of helps with the, the flow of time, too, because you can assume, well, okay, if this, if we're up here now telling this story with these characters, they must have traveled there, and how long would that take? So I guess this much time has passed. And that can get tricky <laughs> as a writing uh exercise but as a viewer i appreciate it yeah i wonder if there's some writer trauma from late season game of thrones where people are like you know yeah, the whole yeah. jet packing this and jet because like people were paying attention to like how the hell did you go from Dorne through the wall mm-hmm. in half an episode like what so it it yeah but i, I but then the last few seasons of game of thrones in my opinion were pretty silly <laughs> Uh, and that was a big reason you went from like a carefully constructed world to just a world built of contrivance and convenience. Yeah. So hopefully we, we, we will not, we will not return to that. You have anything else on kind of the generalities of season two? Cause I know we want to talk about some of the, the directors that are involved, some of the actors returning yeah. and new, but I kind of want to, you said that might be spoilery. So let's leave that for last. There's still lots of hot D left to talk about. We'll be right back after the break. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. 
the thrills of King's Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. And now back to Hot D. Yeah, I mean the you know where we left last season is we were looking like we're well and truly at war. You know, you oh, had yeah. actually some royal blood spilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Green Prince Aemond on the big old dragon Vagar just chomp chomped the Black Prince Luke mm-hmm. Uceris, and uh, we saw Rhaenyra's reaction to that, and it didn't look good. So, um. There's, you know, the early fascination of resolving that, you know, because we know that uh, Aemond, uh, what what he actually did, and he's kind of the only one that knows. So, like, you know, what's, how's that going to turn out? What's he going to say? How are the people going to react? And then from there on out, it's like we talked about. It's it's uh, it's it's open war, you know? Um, oh, yeah. A lot of the plot in the final moments of House of the Dragon, you remember the diplomatic uh, missions that Rhaenyra sent her sons on. And, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find those leal bannermen out there. And now it's going to be time to call those banners, ride those dragons, and Westeros is going to burn. Um, and it's not just like, because I think some people hear that and like, oh, my God, late stage Game of Thrones. I'm worried. There are going to be, you know, dragons flying and large sweeping army movements and sacking castles, burning of ports, that kind of stuff. But there's also going to be a lot of the usual kind of intrigue, you know, plots, betrayals, assassins, revenge. I think you're we're going to get a, a big dose of that in the the early goings of of season two, and I think, man, I'm excited because like I, I predict that the audience numbers for season two of House of Dragons are going to be double what we left off. We were, we're around 10 million at the end double. of last season. Wow, I think we're going to come back to 20 because yeah, you've had like two years for the Game of Thrones faithful to hear that this is pretty good game of thrones and what you don't have a max subscription you're not going to check it out and mm-hmm. uh, and i think that uh, they're going to be they're going to be served up some fresh hot game of thrones style content uh and they're going to they're going to really like it uh i'm really looking forward to having that kind of like buzz that you get on those those sunday nights and and the the monday mornings you know yeah i don't uh, know about double double seems like a pretty big prediction but it I will say I think there was a hundred million because, people watching Game yeah. of Thrones, and it's the only the reason that you didn't have those audiences come back is because of the way Game of Thrones ended. So, like, I think yeah, I was surprised ten million people gave it a chance, honestly. Mm-hmm. And now that they did, and they're telling at least one of their friends who was formerly obsessed with Game of Thrones that actually, yeah, you got to try it out. It's awesome, and they're here. I I don't know. I, I feel like it's big things, big things for House of Dragon. All right. Well, I hope you're right. That'd be great. Uh, I think we're going to get two or three large-scale battles this season. Mm. About that many twists and turns and gut punches. Um, and I'm excited. Like we haven't seen much of the North thus far, and there's a really cool uh, 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 Lord of Winterfell, Cregan Stark, up there that I can't wait for everybody to meet. He was kind of like I mentioned that like a lot of the char- the characters are kind of thin and cardboard and you know because it's more of a, a dry history tome than it is like a narrative story. But even still, Cregan was one of those characters that stood out. I was like I like this guy. Nice. You know, this is a this is a a cool guy. Um, 
and you got to wonder like you know martin in this earlier history will martin's kind of dour stoic but honorable men of the north are they going to do better than they did at game of thrones or is largely tragedy yeah um we'll see the other thing is we they said they're going to we're going to get five new dragons so that's exciting um and the other thing i was excited about is the, the them getting a chance to flesh out damon rhaenyra's relationship which you know i know a lot of people last year were kind of the last season were kind of swooning over certain aspects of the relationship it's very dashing and exciting and romantic and sexy murder scheming lifestyle mm-hmm. um but you know like what what does that look like in 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 kind of like quiet day-to-day moments and uh, especially under the extreme pressure. I guess they're not going to get quiet day-to-day moments, but... Um, yeah, not really. See, yeah, like, what what makes that tick, you know? I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, I saw an interview with Tom Glenn Carney, who plays uh, Aegon II. He's the, the current king, got newly crowned, uh, hastily crowned after Viserys' death by his mother. Um, he was shaping up to be kind of a Joffrey character, and I saw an interview with him saying that, you know, even though easily on paper he could come out as an out-and-out villain, someone who's dark and cold, uh, he thinks there's just more layers to him that they're discovering this season, and he's not just an out-and-out psychopath. Because I was kind hmm. of like, one of the frustrations when you read a lot of like these Game of Thrones fictions and Fire and Blood and you know uh, Night of the Seven Kings and stuff is like it's a lot like Star Trek in a way. It's like you know when you saw the first series and you go to Next Generation, it's like okay, Spock is now Data, right? Uh, yeah, they just Riker, swap the Kirk is now archetypes. Yeah, you just kind of like you know you just kind of just rotate that, and there's a lot of that uh, kind of. And I was thinking the Aegon was looking a lot like Joffrey. And Joffrey's is as awesome as Joffrey was, do we really want another kind of like spoiled boy king who just torture <laughs> mur- No, so I I'm, sure. I'm actually really glad that they're trying to give him a little bit more depth. Um or at least from from the actors talking about it. Yeah, no, that'll be interesting. Uh I don't know if I want to say much more that uh that that's like I said, if you if you want hardcore spoilers, hell, get fire and blood and read it or jump on R slash House of the Dragon and, and jump in the <laughs> ones marked spoilers all because I don't think the majority of people are kind of wanting wanting that. Um you said you had some director, because I I didn't see much on the stable of directors we had for this season. Well, yeah, so I know there are gonna be five uh directors in total for the eight episodes in season two. And one of them, well, we don't know the names of the other four, but one of them is Claire Kilner, who's returning from season one. She directed episodes four, five, and nine of the first season. Mm -hmm. So she's House the Dragon veteran. Um, She'll be directing episodes two and five this season. Nice. Yeah. Um, I can't, I don't remember which episodes four, five, and nine were. I don't remember what happened in those episodes, but honestly, every episode was very good. It was was good to yeah. amazing, so I like right. it doesn't really matter what happened in those. I'm excited to have her yeah. back. Now I remember liking her, and and uh, you know it's it's nice in a series like this that is kind of dominated by women to have that uh, uh, kind kind of touch on the on the filming. And I think I uh-huh. remember like she said a lot of smart stuff in that regard in the last season about you know Rhaenyra and uh Alicent and it's good because like I think if you give this the material to just anybody 
Um, it's easy to, you know, you look at the green and the black of everything and how kind of wild that got with people saying, I can't believe this outrage and, and, oh, what are you talking about? My perfect queen. And if you give this material in the hands of people that don't quite understand the characters, you could get like pretty one note, you know, hissable villains on both sides. And, <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, and really what you want is flawed, tragic, uh, heroes on both sides. Um, mm-hmm. So, like some some someone that can kind of steer it in that direction, and I think is is good with maybe a couple of hissing villains behind them, pushing them. You in got to because that's a lot of you fun. know. <laughs> you guys got Laris, the the creepy foot uh-huh. guy, and you know, Otto. He ain't gonna be he ain't gonna be a hero for nothing. Yeah, yeah. An Otto Low Tower, as we like to call him. <laughs> I don't think we've ever called him that, but now I'm gonna call him that Low Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So that's uh kind of it on the directors before we get to actors do you want to talk about the spinoffs that they're talking about it's right so now? funny because like normally when we do these mid-season updates like anthony always takes a break and we do mid-season update and then invariably the next week major news dropped this time mm-hmm. we actually were supposed to do this a week and a half ago but because of our internal schedule we decided to move it to this week and if we had stuck to our original schedule, I swear to God, a day after we recorded it, all this new stuff had come out about the <laughs> the release date release window, and this, yep. this 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 Night of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight, is yeah. the next the next spinoff to be greenlit by uh, eight uh, by Max. God damn it! And it's supposed to start filming this spring. Now, last mm-hmm. week they're saying, assuming the SAG after strike ends, we heard this week that it seems. I don't think all the eyes have been dotted and T's crossed, but the SAG after strike mm-hmm. is all but over. So you know what that means in the near, very near future, we might have a game of Thrones property every year, if not twice a year. Yeah. Yeah. They're marveling this thing up They're They're star warsing this thing up. Uh, I hope not. Uh, and the thing is, is I, so the interesting is like, I think that they've got, They've got the potential here for something. Um, I, I feel like I cut you off. What were you saying, Jim? I, I, I was just going to ask with a name like that, the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight, which is a terrible name. I, I don't like this name at all. Uh, <laughs> does it imply an anthology? It, it, what do we know about the, the structure and or the subject matter of this spinoff? Because to me, um, the subtitle implies an anthology type of thing. For the I hedge knight is the first point of focus, and then we'll go over to, I don't know, the the butt knight or the food knight. So, so it's, it's so I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they change this through, um, because there's a little bit of master and commander far side of the world going on here, where it's yeah, yeah. like that was a mouthful because it was two books that got shoved each up each other's asses, and this is the hedge knight is the first short story of three that was later collected into a standalone release called a night of the seven kingdoms. Uh, so, so this is maybe it part is one of three, three and it's, it's all stars, the same guy, uh, Sir mm-hmm. Duncan, the tall. And, um, he is solo in one, if not two of those. And then he's joined by his young squire egg, um, in one of them. And okay. the thing it's 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 interesting to think about this. So like um, we got uh, things in Westeros is tracked by the years after Aegon the Conqueror. A, a year zero is when Aegon conquered Westeros or landed on Westeros and began. 
the Dance of Dragons is happening, you know, like King Viserys ruled from like 103 AC to 129. He died, then Rhaenyras took over, and we're having the Dance of Dragons in the one in 129. That's a hundred years past Aegon the Conqueror. Uh, Three hundred years past Aegon the Conqueror was the day of Danny and John and and yeah. uh, the War of the Five Kings. All the stuff that happens in Game of Thrones. This Duncan Egg series takes place right around two hundred. So there's this like interesting little every hundred years, and I know one of the prequels I think is going to look at like maybe Aegon's conquering, and it seems like that they're wanting to have this kind of setting where it's like these things all kind of blend like an anthology because you will start to recognize, oh, I've heard of this guy in song and legend and, oh, this is the guy who's actually the great uncle of such and such. And you'll start to make, if you start paying attention, you'll start making these connections. And I think that's one of the most fun things about Martin's kind of like Gardner approach is it does feel like real history where it's like you start naturally making connections and seeing like oh this guy who is a general in this battle is going to be a politician in peacetime later on and his grandson will be the governor of such and such and I I think that stuff Mm -hmm. is really cool and it's kind of like unique to guys like Martin to have these kind of like sprawling messy approaches um the cool thing is the night of the, the night of the seven kingdoms. It's, it's also a title of um, the, uh, the the calm before the storm episode in season eight of uh, Game of Thrones, where Gwendolyn Christie was knighted. Brianna Tarth is knighted by Jamie Lannister. That episode called a night of the seven kingdoms. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about this is like fire and blood is written like a dry history book. Um, a, a night of the seven kingdoms is an, is a narrative. Um, you can okay. read about the events that take place in this in Fire and Blood, like the actual historical events. But these are fully, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, they have narrators and internal thought processes and wants and desires and embarrassments and defeats and triumphs. And, and it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a complete, a complete narrative. Um, okay. Excellent. And it's I pretty compelling, ask. too. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Um, it's, it's, um, a series, it's essentially like a series of road shows, traveling road shows. You know, we, we've talked about them before where uh-huh. Dunk is like this, uh, the a hedge knight is a, not as an, as a person with a title, but no lands. Uh, they're kind of derisively called that because their, their manner is the hedge that they sleep under each night. <laughs> um, and he comes, he is, it was born in flea bottom. So he comes from wretched squalor. Uh, Sir Duncan called the tall is almost seven foot tall. He's physically powerful and he is morally upright. He is in in the mold of like a Brienne of Tarth and that uh, he is everything you would want a knight to be like. He Mm -hmm. is not the Gregor Clegane who besmirches everything. He's not the Jamie Lannister that doesn't take his vow seriously. He is he is the that like like the the epitome of of chivalry of this age. Um I think he's a, he's a really cool, compelling character because he is very um, he's very powerful, but he's also very humble. And he gets assigned this squire egg. Um, and here's where it's like, I, I again, um, this is this, I don't I don't think this is a spoiler for the, there's it's not treated as a spoiler in a series or a secret. But egg, it turns out, is egg on the fifth, who is the fourth son of the the present king. And he squires uh, under Dunk, and Dunk makes it a condition: is like, yeah, he can, he can. I'll train him to be a knight, but he has to come with me in my adventures walking the land. 
and they shave his head to make him so so that he can is not treated like a prince a targaryen prince that he's treated just like a humble squire Hmm. and that's like a key to that character's development you know um clearly martin has a whole series planned out for this he's only written the first three um but like if you you can see the rest of the story and how things go um in uh in in, i thought uh, you said this was a complete narrative it I know I'm I'm saying it's a complete narrative in that like it's actually well it's a complete narrative in two cents. You've got the whole story there in Fire and Blood and already like okay. you know I said in Fire and Blood like we've covered like I don't know 17 pages and uh-huh. they blew that up into 10 hours of plot. Well Martin's already taken like bits and pieces. Like here's Dunk when he first became a knight and I blew that into an entire narrative. And then here's Dunk on like he's law he's kind of like a Ronin and he's looking for a, a house uh, the you know the the feed and clothe him and here is that blown up part and then when he meets Egg and takes him on as a squire he blows that up into a complete narrative so like all the connecting tissues there and you already have so much more than you had with House of the Dragon House of the Dragon was for like plot I said points, just yeah. a couple yeah just just an encyclopedia entry in history and it's already much more than that and it's 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 a good it's an entertaining story also it's got some really fascinating pieces of, of history. Um, this is set during like the Blackfire Rebellion era, which is uh, one of the kings, uh, Aegon the Fourth, called Aegon the Unworthy, uh, had just a shit ton of bastards uh, <laughs> with with highborn ladies. They called them the Great Bastards. Uh, they're the greatest bastards you've ever seen. And he also had a bunch of legitimate children. And this madman on his deathbed legitimized all of his bastards. Right. Uh, these became known as the Blackfires because, uh, you know, they weren't true Targaryens and they would cause problems for the realm for years to come. There were several rebellions where whenever the Targaryens looked a little weak or whenever foreign kings and queens and triarch type people uh, got a little ambitious, uh, they would get a little funding, some armies raised and then the realm would bleed. Um, and there's some interesting characters that come out of this. For example, um, Aegon V, Egg, is called Aegon the Unlikely because he was, I think, the fourth son in line for the throne. One of the brothers skipped over to get to him was Aemon, and you'll know him as the ancient blind maester from uh, the early seasons of Game of Thrones. Right, right. And one of the Blackfires, this Lord Brendan Rivers, um is going to be a loyalist Blackfire. He's going to serve the legitimate uh, um, Targaryens, and through a whole complex sequence of events, he'll have to take the Black, go to the Wall, and become the Lord Commander. He ends up being the Three-Eyed Ro- uh, Crow, the Three-Eyed Raven <laughs> huh. that trains okay. Bran in Game of Thrones. So, like, see, I'm seeing there's, like, all these really cool connections, both, like, by this time, you'll you'll, you'll have connections back to Aegon's day and to Viserys and yeah, Rhaenyra's yeah. and Daemon's day going forward to... It's, like, really kind of fascinating. There's a lot of hints that, for example, Duncan the Tall is the ancestor of Brienne of Tarth. Um, okay. So there's, like... Kind of makes sense. S- some interesting ways they could... Yeah, you got a seven-foot-tall dude. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he's probably going to sire some seven-foot-tall women that will go on to sire other seven-foot-tall... So there's there's a lot of really fascinating stuff in this and the narrative and, and a lot of room for showrunners to come and embellish and add stuff, too. So... That's my big question is, are they going to they are they going to make a run uh, at telling like the whole egg on the fifth story all the way to like Summer Hall, which will mean something if you know something 
Uh, are they just going to really adapt these kind of like little snapshots in the life of this hedge knight? Um, is it going to be like a little bit like they're going to that's the bulk of the narrative, but they're also going to beef up some of the other, you know, more shallow entries into the, you know, the 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 Blackfire Rebellion here. I, I I'm really curious to see what they do with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it meshes with the story that they'll still be telling with uh, House of the Dragon here. Um, yeah. Granted, they're not directly connected, but any things that they're going to drop uh, the reference House of the Dragon kind of need to be things we've already seen. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I would think. Yeah, I mean, I guess true. not necessarily, but it's going to be tricky, like threading those things together, I think. Because, like I said, I think it's season four. There's a wild naked spoiler for House of the Dragon that just Joffrey flops out there when he's touring the the Sept oh, with right, the, right. Marjorie. Yeah, so you don't like, want to spoil season three and season one of this show. Now, so yeah, now, now, and that's the thing is like they they walked into that rake because they didn't know that there'd be these yeah. prequel series greenlit. Now they do. So mm-hmm. how do you tell those stories that are interlocked without like spoiling things for for uh, you know people ongoing shows? That's a right. That's a that's a really interesting and it's also like the other interesting thing about this history is the last dragon died out in 153 AC and we're in 200 AC. These people are like the first generation born that never knew a world with dragons in it. And Targaryens can feel that slip of their, their power slipping and many Targaryens that are obsessed to get that power back through necromancy through weird <laughs> pyromancy through alchemy through like and there's there's a lot of disastrous things of the, the, the befall targaryens that like go too far into trying to get dragons to be reborn or to get these fossilized eggs or these increasingly fossilized eggs to to rehatch uh, that's another kind of like interesting thing because mm-hmm. obviously when you get the Game of Thrones, the that's Robert's Rebellion and that ends the Targaryens. So this is an era of them trying to cling to power and prominence without their traditional power base at all. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm I'm really excited with that because there's a lot of different directions they could go. They could even like have one series that just focuses on like Duncan Egg, the younger years, and then have another series that deals with Aegon ascending to the king. It could be one sprawling six seven uh, season uh, kind of affair. Uh, and then, you know, I I know that they've kind of played footsie with like a Jon Snow sequel, and they've played footsie mm-hmm. with the uh, Aegon the Conqueror prequel. And I, I like I said I. I hope I, I I hope they marvel this up in the best way. Yeah, I hope yeah. they don't marvel like the like we've been marveling down things since Endgame, I feel like. But like there was a nice ten year stretch where like all that stuff just flowed together so beautifully and whipped everyone into the proper like froth and frenzy and I think they could really do that if if, if they play it smart, but mm-hmm. uh who's who's to know? I, I do worry though, because like, you know, you got Marvel fatigue. Yeah. Only with dragons, knights, incest, betrayals, torture. Like it is mm-hmm. there's only so many things you can do in medieval setting, right? You know, it's like after the But, fourth... but there are things that Marvel really can't do in their settings, is is what I love. It's, or or yeah. to, under the Disney banner, right? Like Disney's never gonna let them do all the things you just described. So it might be yeah, a yeah, breath yeah. of fresh air. Yeah, but there's only so many like, you know, treacherous bastards and mysterious sorcerers True. and 
and yeah. uh, uh, un- unknown king, you know, like a pretender kings and a colors of the throne. for weddings. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once once you got blue, you go you go black, green, red, purple. You know, you start running out of colors. It's it gets crazy. But yeah. um, but I, I think they will. Like I, I, I if if they play this right, they could have a decade worth of fantasy series that just just keeps mm-hmm. building and building on itself and especially at the same time that like you know disney is falling down in terms of star wars and and marvel and there's a whole crop of like where kids raised on that stuff that are ready to cut their teeth on more adult fare sure here is game here is game of thrones house of dragon and as long as they don't shit to bed like late season game of thrones i think they got something I think what they really need is is somebody overseeing the whole thing because I think you know we talked about how are they going to weave these stories together in satisfying ways. They need to be talking at the very least, but they yeah. probably need somebody in charge of the property in general, uh, much like Marvel had for so long, and that really worked well. I could they just do, let Martin do that? Does he want to do that? I I feel like he does. He seems like but... he likes being involved. He seems like he yeah, likes being involved. True. There's still lots of hot D to talk about. We'll be back right after the break. And now back to hot D. But the other thing is like, I, I hope whatever the hell is wrong with Martin. Uh, it would. The other thing is like, if, if they if they pull off this like over the next six, seven years is kind of crowning achievement to make all this like Game of Thrones world work after the debacle of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, 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 and if Martin can finish the books, I, I, <laughs> I would fully support a remake of at least the later seasons of Game of Thrones, if not just a complete recast remake of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and at that point, who says no? I don't. Sure. I'd probably be on board for that. At least six, seven, eight. Give me those three seasons again uh, under some better guidance, and we'll see. We'll talk. Uh, Any other questions you got for me for the, the night of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight? I don't think so. You want to talk about the actors now? The, I mean, the Let's returning ones casting. are the ones you know. You know, yep. I mean, <laughs> every, everybody who you think is returning is returning. There's no surprise. Yep. Oh, we can't get this person or whatever. So Patty's probably not coming back unless it's a flashback or a ghost, which honestly mm-hmm. you can't rule out uh, either sure. on this show. Uh, but there's a lot of new cast. Now, a lot of this isn't like confirmed, confirmed in terms of like Hollywood reporter or variety type magazines. A lot of this is just, yep. you know, um, fans putting together photos and casting calls and stuff together. So, and then there's some things that are truly oh. like deep rumor. Um, but I think these are essentially confirmed. They just haven't been put out by the press release in uh, HBO. Um, Amanda Collin as Lady of the Veil, Jane Aaron. Um, okay, nice. Now you'll recognize her. She played Mother on Raised by Wolves. Okay, yeah. Boy, I bet she um, looks different now. <laughs> she's still that kind of like tall, severe woman. Uh-huh. Um, and I Probably think that'll different play haircut, well. different clothes, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I don't think she's going to look like she's got an Android buzz cut and a silver seven of nine yeah. singlet. But I think that, uh, or what, onesie, what do you call that thing? Is it a skin suit? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, she now you'll recall that like uh, uh, Luke's brother Jason was sent on a whole series of diplomacy, and she was one of the targets for that kind of black recruitment drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vale's got one of the strongest armies in the region; It'd be a massive feather in Rhaenyra's cap here. 
Amanda's joined by her Raised by Wolves co-star, uh, Abu Bakar Salim, who played father sure. on Raised by Wolves. Uh, he is played going to be playing Alan Hall, and he's joined um, by Clinton Liberty. He's going to be play his brother, Adam Hall. And these are both sailors in Corliss Valerian's Navy, and they're nice. going to play a factor in the wars to come. So we're going to get to see more of... Uh, you know, the people associated with House Valerian here. Uh, we've got Kieran and Boo, who plays Bill O'Hara on Warrior on Apple TV, so a show that always hmm. gets um, recommended to me, but I haven't got to see it. Uh, he plays Hugh Hammer, who is a bastard son of a blacksmith, and we love our bastard blacksmiths on this show. Oh, yeah. Don't we, folks? We love the rowing competitions. We mm-hmm. love their sprints, their feat of sprintings. And uh, he, too, is looking to make his mark on the Black Army this season. I don't know um, much about him because I haven't seen any of the shows that he was listed in. But he looks like a cool dude, big bearded kind of dude. Uh, Freddie Fox I am familiar with. He was amazing as King Hugo, which I think was the king of Norway in uh, The Great, the Hulu series about Catherine the Great. Hmm. Uh, this guy is really funny in this show um, and I'm sure he'll be able to handle the drama stuff I guess he's uh, also prominent on uh, Netflix's The Crown but he's going to be playing Sir Gwen Hightower (laughs) who is the eldest son of Otto now we've seen Gwen he got his ass kicked in by Damon in the tournament uh, and the the pilot episode of House of the Dragons but we never saw him he was all in full plate armor and helmet so um, yeah, get get ready for as many Gawain jokes as I can make next season. I hate the name Gawain. I always hated it. Yeah. Man, yeah. between this and Foundation Season 2, you got the real Gawain hate train going, I guess. Um, I <laughs> yeah. think it's a cool name, and the character in Foundation was super cool. Uh, I'm at, do you, do you, what, what do you expect from Otto's son? Do you expect to chip off the old block? Do you expect like... Oh, no, no. Like, like someone that's a little... A rebel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like that like, that kind of hard be... yeah, that kind of hard uh a guy who presses his kids that hard, he's going to he's going to turn them against him at some point. And I think it happens way earlier with his son. You don't think they'll have a toad off with a oh my lord father no, no. I didn't know that that's oh no son I <laughs> you don't think that no. I think be... him and Matt Smith would get along a lot. Damon. Interesting. I don't know. I have a no green traitor. I'm not, I, I know. No I'm just mining you for content. Here, so honestly, <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't know, Jim's fiction. not. Jim's not read the books. I have, so I'm yeah. I'm I'm pumping him for content here. Um. So the other two name or there's another the other two names that will um mean a lot to book people is Sam C. Wilson, who plays Bill Sykes on Dodger. He's also been in Hannah Doctors and the Capture. I'm not familiar with this guy's work. And Mark Stobert, who plays Martin Clark in 55 Degrees North. He's also in Silence, Utopia, and The Line of Duty. Again, not familiar with these guys' work, but these guys mm-hmm. together play these characters named Blood and Cheese, who are mercenaries, who are enlisted for a very special mission this season. Very excited. They look cool. Uh, Simon Russell Beale as Simon Strong. So this guy plays Henry Linham in the Linham trilogy, which I'm not familiar with, but I have seen him in The Death of Stalin. Uh, he's also plays King Lear. I guess he's big on the stage in England or in the UK. He also starred opposite Olivia Cook in Vanity Fair, so he's got a little bit hmm. of a 
uh, 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 House of the Dragon connection already, and he'll be taking over for uh, from his brother for his family, the uh, the yeah. strong family after Laris, the foot guy, murdered all of Burned the rest them of them. All. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it looks like. Uh, you know, Heron Hall is going to be a more important location this season. Because there's also uh, an actress, Gail Rankin. Now, you've seen her in Glow. She was Sheila the She-Wolf. Okay, wow. Yep. Okay. She's going to be in this, um, all right. Yeah, she's in The Greatest Showman, and she's also in the reboot of Perry Mason. Her name is Alice Rivers, and she's a bastard of House Strong who serves as a wet note nurse in Heron Hall. The interesting thing about her is some think she's a witch as she's rumored to have visions of the future. And she's got, like, I haven't seen her in Glow, but she's got this kind of, like, off-kilter look to her that <laughs> I think is say really she's a interesting. Witch. Some say she's a witch there, too. I don't know. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, so, she's so, so what is that. she like? What, what's, what's she like in Glow? I'm kind of interested uh, to see. She's, a, she's like a wild animal. I mean, she embodies the she-wolf thing pretty much night okay. and day on that. So it's not a character she's playing. She is the she is the she wolf. All right. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um. Yeah, I, I love. Like I said, she's got a very striking kind of unhinged look to her that I think goes well with a bastard wet nurse witch woods witch. <laughs> uh huh. Um. I'm really excited that so this is one that's like a true rumor. This has like even the the fan sites or this is the one that's like most speculative. Um. But I want to talk about because it it's Cregan Stark. He's like the one of the characters I'm most interested to see cast. And apparently it's Tom Taylor. Now, what's interesting about Tom Taylor is he played a young the young version of Sean Bean in the 2014 TV show Legends. So it's like he kind of hmm. already has that Stark kind of je ne sais quoi about him. Uh, he also had a small part in 2015's The Last Kingdom. And he starred opposite Idris Elba. Elba as Jake Chambers in the Dark Tower, which is a terrible movie, but I don't think he was the problem in it. Um, yeah. He is in his young 20s now, which I know a lot of people that saw it reacted like, how the hell is Cregan Stark that young? But Cregan actually is only 21. Uh, he's a lot of times illustrated older because, you know, the Stark guys have the wild beards and like the severe look, but he's he's a young guy and he's got this kind of like ice blue blonde eyed Viking kind of look to him. Uh, he's very he's strikingly good looking um, and looks charismatic. So it's like I'm very interested to see a lot of pe- um, a lot of people describe Cregan as kind of like Martin's love letter to Hal Stark. Um, so, uh, hmm. yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to meeting this guy. Uh, and that's all the casting information. I mean, there's actually more, but like there you get you get less and less down the relevancy of character stuff here. So um, yeah. I don't know if we, I want to go all 50 on the the, the, the the unnamed captain of House Stark and sure. the cook of Winterfell. And I don't know if that's uh, even though they might be major players. Uh, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize them, nor any of the works and, and nor their, their characters. So that's all the, the casting stuff I'd, I've been able to dig up in these last few weeks. Nice. Yeah, that was everything that I had seen too. Uh and I did not go Google them, so good for you. I I, I appreciate the spoiler free uh synopsis there. Yeah. Yeah. It should be the it should make the people that will get excited excited and the the people that don't know any better uh you know their ears perked. And I, I think that's where I'm trying to land here. You got anything yeah. else you want to talk about for this little uh, little mini little mini hot D update? Um, I think that's I it, imagine. Man. 
I imagine we'll have another one, at least one more before the series hits. If it does hit mm-hmm. in the late spring, early, early summer. Um, and I'm, I imagine Maester Anthony will take another break and we'll jump in here for like maybe an actual season two preview. Uh, yeah, certainly we'll info. be back. At, we back for that uh, before the, the eight episode run of season two. I'm pumped. Uh, it was a lot of fun covering this last season. I think the green and black stuff is going to get even woolier. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really looking forward to it. Uh, keep, and it's, keep it'll it be good. For sure. Keep it real. It'll be it'll be good to have a lot more Game of Thrones back in our life now that it's kind of redeeming itself. And yeah, as long as they yeah. can keep up the the high quality that they've established with the House of Dragon, I think the narrative will 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 bear it. Both both this and and the the Hedge Knight uh, uh, series as well. Very excited to have a lot of lot more of the Game of Thrones back in our life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be it. Uh, obviously, if you want to send us feedback, hot D at baldmove.com in between the seasons. Probably not use a lot of it, but if you if you see any jaw dropping news or something you want to talk about, send it my way at hot D at baldmove.com. If you want to know what we're up to, we're about ready to kick off the Christmas season, but we're also uh, finishing up coverage of Loki. We're just starting coverage of Fargo and True Detective in the new year got a bunch of movies coming out if you want to know what we're up to when we're not doing hot d and game of thrones stuff uh, follow us on social media we're at bald move everywhere except for tiktok we're at baldest move there and then uh you know as as always if you want to get in early on the the premium content if you want to skip the ads get the ad free feeds if you want to join us for our instant take live reaction talk show after each and every episode of hot d season two you want to join the club find out more at support.baldmove.com that's it. We're going to flip the keys back to Maester Anthony. We'll see you in a couple months when we get uh, some more new stuff to talk about. Probably some trailers. Probably, probably some trailers in the I mean, yeah, there's one the that they, they made already. They Dude, just won't show it to us. It's infuriating to know that they had a trailer <laughs> that they showed for reporters and you can't say anything other than it exists. What the yeah. fuck? What kind of fucked up publicity is that, man? <laughs> probably doesn't have any effects work in it. I bet it's, like, like, but it's real rough. Like, like, but then why show a bunch of bloodthirsty reporters? Why not just like do these get do 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 they do they think that reporters don't have high speed internet connections that they cannot within seconds of a trailer dropping go watch it in 4K? Like do do they mm-hmm. need these journalists to have that's probably what it is so people can drop day one the the insane trailer breakdowns? I don't know. It yeah. was it was frustrating to read that it's out there in the world and we can't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, prob- probably be coming back when it when a trailer drops too. Anyway, uh, can't wait to see you when the season kicks off. Until then, uh, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. Keep it real. <laughs>